you are still going to get angry in this program and beyond. But what you're going to learn is how to release the guilt and shame, how to process, recover, how to make that less and less but you're still going to make mistakes. And especially with each new phase, there's always things to grow in. And I tell moms that too. Welcome to the All of Life show. Uh, Today we have a guest with us, Natalie Hickson. Natalie has a ministry that ministers to moms who are dealing with burnout. Natalie, welcome to the show. And I will let you explain and give us your story. But first of all, yeah, tell us, tell us, how did your ministry come about? What is your, your backstory? Yeah, so um, I'm helping mamas work through destructive anger and burnout and how we process those emotions and learn how to work through emotions in a healthier way and kind of just kind of a whole cohesive way we try to work through things. So, and it all started with my story. Uh, Never would I have ever guessed (laughs) that if um, I could fast forward to this point in my life and I think, oh, I'm helping moms deal with anger and burnout. (laughs) But What's a little bit about your story? What, what, uh, when did this like when did this start? When did you um, start getting passionate about this subject, I guess? Yeah. Um, well, when I started getting passionate about it, really happened through, I was trying to be a life coach, trying to, I thought I'd help moms organize their life in kind of effective, in, in that case, trying to help them with burnout as well. Uh, but it was through a midnight chat with a, a friend um, who also had a podcast and she was, we were talking about our anger stories as moms and she's like, girl, you got to get on my podcast and talk about this. And so I did. And that's when things really started to, you know, mom started to reach out and they're like, how do I deal with this? I didn't know I was the only one, um, or I thought I was the only one. Uh, so it, it started there as far as me helping moms. Um, and that was in 2016, I think. Um, as far as working through the burnout, that type of coaching, um, and, and anger. But personally, I grew up in a home where destructive anger was, uh, how anger was processed. We had screaming and slamming doors and, you know, just a very loud emotional house. And, um, that's kind of what I learned. That's how you process anger. Well, my husband, who we were high school sweethearts, Um, when we got married and moved in together, I started to see a big difference between the two of us. One, I was a screamer and he would not scream. He, I remember asking him in a fight, I was like, why aren't you just scream back at me? And he's like, cause I don't do that. (laughs) And he would just withdraw and get really quiet. And so I started to see living in that situation that there was a difference. And I started to think, wow, I have a problem this probably isn't okay and normal, but I don't know that there's a way to fix it. It's probably Scottish, Irish blood, (laughs) whatever. Right. I didn't, I didn't claim it. Didn't try to work on it. Um, fast forward a couple of years, we brought Enya, our oldest home from the hospital. And, um, I guess a little bit farther than that, when she was two, things really started to pick up for me. Um, as far as my anger, 
you know, two-year-olds, <laughs> they are defiant. They um, don't take no or yes for an answer. It's always the opposite, right? And so you would find her and I literally on the floor throwing tantrums. Um, it's, it's not something at all I'm proud of. And the reason I share this is because there's moms out there who are in dads who are dealing with this type of anger and it's not talked about. And mm-hmm. so I go to this extreme of, of telling people how bad it actually was, but I absolutely do not condone this type of behavior. Um, but I was screaming at her. I was belittling her. I would leave bruises on her. Um, it was a very scary place for her to be around me when I would get angry and my husband too. Um, I absolutely would hit him. Um, it was, it was scary. And if he tried to step in when I was angry, it would just get me more riled up. Mm. Um, and we didn't know what to do about it. There was, I was home alone with Enya for 12 hours a day for a few years there. And it was by the grace of God that she and I got through that time. Um, so we fast forward a couple more years, we brought her sister home from the hospital. And there was a moment when I was nursing Sky, that's her name. And the door was shut and I could hear Mike trying to put Enya to bed and Enya's tantrum was just epic. And they were, she didn't have a way to process them. I didn't have a way to help her. We just were epic together. Right. Mm. And not in a good way, (laughs) but I remember nursing and all of a sudden I just, I got so angry. I burst, I scream at the top of my lungs for Enya to shut up. And Sky stops nursing and looks at me with just this horrific little baby face and starts crying. And I'm like, something has to change. And my first thought was, Enya needs to go to therapy. Uh, I can't change. I try. I pray every night. I'm Lord, just, I'm not going to be angry tomorrow. And the next day I'm angry. I wasn't finding help myself. And I wasn't connecting the thought of me going to therapy. But if we could get Enya to stop being... Um, if we get her to a place where her tantrums will calm down and she'll listen to me, then I won't get so upset. That's really where I was in that thought process is if we can help her, I won't get that to that place. Not recognizing I was already in that place before we even had kids. So we went to the therapist and she observed Enya and then she met with me and Mike alone. And she said that Enya was perfectly normal for her age and development. And Natalie, you're the one who needs to be in here. Mm. And that was shocking. Um, But at the same time, I was like, wow. So you're saying there's actually help and hope for me? Yes, I'm on board. Let's do it. And so, um, and I would absolutely say that was just the spirit moving in me. Because (laughs) for me not to just look back at her and walk out of the office, that that had to be a God thing. Um, So when... When you so, went to this uh, counselor, were, were they a Christian counselor or just regular counselor? And but they still yeah. saw the the need there in the the sin or whatever, like manifesting itself yeah. in such a way that that it, it was affecting your family. Absolutely, yep. she was a psychoanalysis. Um, I went to her for four years. She helped me figure a lot of things out. You know, I learned a lot about myself and my family past, and um, it was an interesting therapy and I felt like it got the ball rolling for me but when I left therapy I left seeking more because my patterns hadn't changed yet I was still yelling at the kids I was still getting angry I was still 
being destructive in ways. Had it calmed down a bit? It had, but it wasn't to where I wanted it to be, right? I was still asking God, why did you give me these kids if I can't be a mom that loves them in the way they need it? So like everything up to that why point would, was kind of more like symptom management or, or chasing symptoms more? Is that Would that be how you would describe it? I would say it was just really interesting to, one of the biggest things I learned from the four years of therapy was be curious, like ask questions, be curious with your kids, ask them what's going on for them and, and be curious about yourself and why you got this place. And it, it helped open my eyes and heart up to, I got absolutely used it for me, even though it wasn't Christian right. based. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in my heart. He, he made it his thing. Right. So he helped me to have more forgiveness and he helped break down some walls between me and my parents. My parents and I, we, I forced my parents to work, work through a lot of stuff in those four years because, um, as far as with my relationship with them and I've only seen my parents grow since, you know, as they've gotten older and, and grown too, they're absolutely amazing. I love my parents so much. They've homeschooled my girls. I mean, they're, <laughs> That's they're amazing. awesome. So I've seen their growth as well. But yeah, the Lord absolutely used that time to get the ball rolling. And like I said before, and help me start recognizing he's going to use whatever we can. And, and it was a Christian therapist that I asked with somebody else that I'd asked to give me a, um, a re- reference or whatever. Sure. And so it's, it's who knows, that's how God, le- where God led me. But um, once I left that, I didn't do a lot therapy wise at that point, but I started trying to do different businesses. I really wanted to do something at home. Online business was really becoming very big at that point. Mm. Um, And I was just trying and failing at many things. (laughs) And through that, um, the Lord is also working in my heart. And um, I ended up being led to coaching school and at Co- it was Christian Life Coaching School. And in that, one of the really cool things I learned in there was she was, our instructor was very adamant that if you're going to be a Christian coach, you need to know the Lord and you need to know him well. And you need to be able to recognize his voice so he can use you in coaching sessions because you don't want coaching to come from your heart, mm. from your leading. You want it to be from the Lord's leading and heart. And so she, like, basically required us to be spending time with the Lord every day. Right. And, and it really was huge. I mean, that was absolutely, I mean, you, you get in with the Lord, you, you build that relationship with him and, and he's going to move you and he's going to change you. And it doesn't take your struggles and challenges away, but he helps you connect. Um, he helps those challenges are what I use to connect to him deeper. Right. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't ever go, God, why? Why is this happening? Right? There's definitely moments I'm like, what are you doing here? But then that's the point. I'm looking to him going, what are you doing here? And what am I missing? Or what do I need to to look for? What do I need to seek here from you? Um, so I think that's, I think that's, I, oh, sorry about that. I was going to say, I think that's so okay. great because um, when you're, 
like in order to help someone else search their own heart or be reflective or, um, kind of like dig a little deeper, you have to be in the practice of doing that yourself. And you can't really point someone to Jesus unless you know how to point yourself to Jesus. You know, it's like a muscle that we practice. So I think that was really good advice. And then it's, it's really good for anyone who's like coaching or counseling anybody that, um, you like, we should all avoid hypocrisy (laughs) and we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be claiming to help other people dig in if we don't know how to do that ourselves. 100%. And it's something I I work through with my clients and like you, it's, it's a requirement of my program that you are consistently in the word and, or, or spending time with the Lord in whatever form that looks like for my clients. But because of that very reason, right? I can't sit here on this side of of the coaching relationship and have, have the Lord use me if I'm not connected to him. And I also, as a mother, cannot help my children, cannot teach my children, love my children in the way that God wants me to if I'm not connected with him. And so it's extremely important that we, we get into that. And, you know, I, I get emails, I get moms saying, yeah, but I have a relationship with God or I spend time with him every day. I just don't feel like he's there. And I'm like, it's not always about the feeling. Mm -hmm. God isn't always going to give you this huge, awesome feeling that he's there. And if we get a look to our, you know, if we're married, we look to our marriage relationships and go, I don't always feel something with my husband too, but I know I love him and he loves me and we're committed. Right. Yeah. And so we do the things that we need to do on a daily basis to stay connected in some way, even if the feeling is up or down, because feelings are hormonal. They're flesh. I was just uh, I was just sharing with Alicia earlier. uh, I've been going through this um, counseling book, a Christian counseling book. And something that he in the book is saying was a lot of times you're confronting the thing and you're people like get it in reverse and they're like, first I have to get my feelings to change and then my actions will follow. And instead he's saying, no, actually what we have is obedience to Christ. And so we have to repent and actually do the actions and let our feelings begin to line up, you know, over time. So like you're saying, you know, you, you're getting into the word. um, And even if you aren't feeling it, you're doing it because it's, it's about the faithfulness to that process, not just like, oh, well, it really feels like it's working. You know, like how many things do we, we take vitamins and we do all these things. It's like, I don't know that I really feel it, but you know, scientifically they can tell you that vitamin makes a difference in your life. If if you don't take that for long enough, you're going to, you know, get sick or something like that. Yeah. And heaven knows I don't want to go to the gym. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is good for me. Yeah. <laughs> All the negative feelings. Yeah. There, right. Natalie, <laughs> Natalie, when, um, when a mom, when a mom calls you, when you get that very first introductory phone call, what place is she usually in that she is, she is like, um, like what caused her to get to the point where she's like, I need to, I need help. Yeah. It's, it's that desperation of, I can't go on. I don't want to be here anymore. I am consumed with guilt. I don't, it's, it's all of these things. Um, they, they know their heart is breaking because they know that their kids are hurting and they're hurting and they're hearing something like this interview, right? They're hearing, wait, there's hope. Wait, I don't have to stay stuck. Wait, she left bruises on her kids. She threatened her kids. 
and she's on here talking about it, that's a difference. There's a change there. And it's, it's them wanting to know what is that change? How do I get to that point? Because yeah, their heart's breaking. They don't, nobody wants to imagine raising their kids and putting all this energy into their kids and, and watch them grow up and feel like, just look back and regret everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And to that point, I say, what if you're listening to this and your kids are grown up? What if, what if you're past that point of, ch of child rearing and now you've got adult kids, which, yeah. which I'm understanding having an adult kid and from all my friends with adult kids, <laughs> our job never ends. <laughs> but what, what's important is, okay, you recognize that you don't appreciate the way that things went when you were raising them. You don't like your behaviors. You feel bad. You might be carrying guilt or shame. As long as you're still breathing, you get to go to those kids and, and apologize and make things right. And if they're not, if one of your kids is passed and you're carrying guilt and shame from that, you get to go to Jesus, either, either situation, you get to go to Jesus and go, I need help with this. I can't carry this anymore. And he's on the cross. I just picture this. Us moms are, and dads are really good at carrying guilt, like really good at holding on to that, kind of punishing ourselves with it which keeps us in a negative spiral, which keeps us more angry mm. and exploding if we're in that place. Um, and, and instead, we need to look up at the cross and instead of saying, I know you died for me, Jesus, and that was really great, and I really appreciate it, but you didn't, it wasn't enough. I have to carry this too. Mm. I got to keep carrying this guilt and shame. Yeah. And he's just up there like, no, that's why I'm here. This is why I did what I did. And we have to leave it there and walk forward and trust that we're forgiven, trust that we've repented, trust that he's covered us. And yeah, we're going to walk forward and make another mistake. We're always at war with our flesh, right? In Romans, Romans 8, talking about our flesh is enmity against God. We are always fighting. Mm. Our flesh is always fighting against God, but the spirit is who helps us repent, confess, keep walking forward, keep making changes the best we can through the ability that we have with the Lord here in this flesh that we're in. Yeah. Natalie, you just crushed it. First of yeah. all, you just dropped the mic. Our whole podcast is about how does the gospel apply to all of life? And in this instance, it would be, how does the gospel apply to your anger or your rage as, as a mom? Um, and obviously anyone who just heard what you just said, whether they're a mom or not could apply that to, um, like, like you just, just to reiterate what you said, like leaving the guilt and the shame that you've experienced from your sin, like the guilt and the shame is not from the Lord. Conviction is from the Lord. And, and he paid for the guilt and the shame and the sin of the yeah. anger and the, or the sin of the rage or the behavior that came from that emotion. And, um, and I just like, I love the way you said that. That was so beautiful. Thank you for, for saying that. And then, and just thank you for being so honest with your story too, before we go any further, because I just want to recognize that's a, that's a really hard thing to like, yeah, for sure. to like, um, admit the things that you're admitting and, um, and I, and I know that just because I tend to be that way, like I, I like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this is all I've ever done. <laughs> um, 
but I know the heart that it comes from, for me is just wanting to almost like throw myself on the sword so that other people can see like, this is what the Lord did in my life. Like I'm a different person, you know, like the woman at the well, she, she ran back to all of the people in the town and like no more guilt, no more shame, but she was a different person and she just had to tell people about it. And, um, that's what your story reminds me of. And yeah. Something I, I wanted to ask you was, so there's a lot of solutions I think that get offered up for these types of things. And some, some are effective and some are not. What are some that you have seen? Cause you just touched on the gospel solution, right? Ultimately seeing your sin as being part of what Christ took on the cross and, and he took the ultimate price for that. And then he gives the freedom in that. What, um, what are the, almost like the false hope type of things that people keep offering up that perhaps, uh, maybe it looks like they work. Maybe it just chases symptoms, maybe anything like that. What would you say to that? Well, first of all, there's this common misconception going around that you can change, Mm. that it's all in your power. Um, and it's, wow. The enemy is really, um, he's, he's, uh, got this what's the word I want to say it's looking really enticing to people right it's that self-care and Mm -hmm. it's you know take care of yourself and I mean of course we need to take care of ourselves right our body is a temple to the Lord but it's not what's going to change you you can get all your you can get your body all perfect and healthy you can get your rhythms and your teens all great but if your heart's not changed you're you're not going to change your behavior. It doesn't matter what tips you hear. Um, but we do have, I do have things that I like to share with people working through anger, especially in the heat of the moment, um, because we do, we are also called to get our flesh to submit to the Lord, right? <laughs> so trying to work through that. Um, but before I even offer those tips, I just want to say there's a difference that I see between um, healthy anger and like normal anger. Mm. And then destructive anger. And um, if I back up even more, we've got I what I consider five basic emotions. And we've got joy, uh, disgust, sadness, fear, and anger, right? And often we use anger as uh, we bypass sadness or we'll bypass disgust um, or fear and go straight to anger to protect ourselves. Um None of these emotions are sinful in and of themselves. The Lord has anger, right? He has righteous Mm -hmm. anger. He Mm -hmm. has that emotion. And so inherently they're not bad. It's what we do with these emotions. And so I like to really present the emotions as these are speed bumps. You're feeling this right now. That means it's time to slow down and figure out what's going on, right? So what does that look like? The way I teach it is I have a thing called sit and pray. So we SIT is an acronym for stop, inhale, tune in, and pray. Mm-hmm. And if you shorten it up and say sit and pee, that gives you the reminder that anybody can can go to the bathroom, right? Nobody's going to question you on having to run to the restroom. So That's if great. you use sit and pee in any situation, in-laws, friends, kids, husband, wife, whatever. Um, so if you can separate yourself, if you have the ability to separate yourself, it's stop and separate, right? Take a quick break. If you can't leave the room because maybe you have littles in the room, and you have to keep your eye on them. 
move yourself from one position to another. Maybe you were on the floor, get on the couch. Maybe you're on this side of the room, go to the other side of the room. But I really like it if you can try to just run to the bathroom real quick, right? Toddlers are following you, banging on the door. That's okay. It's safer for them to bang on the door than you to just unleash on them, right? Um, There's absolutely times I've said that to my kids. I need a moment because I don't want to scream at you, right? Um, So we stop and separate. We're inhaling. We're breathing. It's a very important part. It calms our flesh down. God designed us with a bone in our brain that when we're taking deep breaths, it kind of looks like a butterfly. It's moving back and forth and it's hitting our pituitary gland and it's sending out all these signals and hormones to calm down. So that's why deep breathing is such a valuable thing. And then we're tuning in. There's the T. It's okay. We're validating what's going on for me. It's okay that I'm having this emotion. There's nothing wrong with me for feeling angry. Why am I feeling angry? What's going on, you know, and just taking that moment to kind of check in, keep yourself in the moment because otherwise, like what happened with me, I checked out and I would scream in rage and I'd come back and be like, what did I just do? So this is really trying to keep that inner dialogue going, keep you in a a place where you're validating, tuning in. And then we're adding the most important piece. We're praying, Lord, I need strength. I need wisdom. I need discernment. Don't pray for patience. (laughs) <laughs> what you, want. Mm-hmm. you want wisdom you want discernment you want strength <laughs> right so that's kind of that in the moment and and again you can take the big long in the moment if you need to get out of the room great um if you're in the room you're in the car and you can't do that it's kind of just trying to go through the process in your head in that moment take some deep breaths tune in pray right you might do sit and pray walk out of the bathroom and then you blow it. You might still blow it, right? It's not foolproof. It, it could still happen, and it does happen. So then we go into recovery. So once we've upset, been upset, did something we're not we're not proud of, hurt somebody, we then want to go into that. We go back and take responsibility. I'm sorry I yelled at you. That was not okay that I yelled at you, but it was okay that I was angry. So we validate that the emotions okay. The behavior wasn't. And then we talk about the behaviors with the kids. And then after that, we can offer consequences at that point. And I'll just touch on that really quick. Sometimes in the heat of the moment, (laughs) we might yell out a consequence at our kids and say, you're grounded for a week. Um, We've never done that. Never. (laughs) Never. Never. (laughs) I've got teens. You've lost your phone forever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've had a, a talk not during the, a time when we're all upset, but I've had a talk with my girls saying, you know, if mom's upset, sometimes I mess up and I might say things I don't mean. Um, I'm trying to work through that. But if I do make a threat, please know that it's just because I'm angry and we'll actually talk about the real consequence once we calm down. Right. So they just know that. Yeah. Um, but I should, I, I think I may have, have skipped a piece here too with the emotions. When it comes to the healthy anger and destructive anger, um, I call it healthy because I want us to look at anger as it's not a bad thing unless we're using it in a bad way. It's just an emotion there for us to stop and go, what's going on? It's an alarm signal, right? Mm. Um, normal anger, we're irritated, we're getting frustrated, we feel angry. Um, 
and it's okay if we need to take a deep breath. Or I've told moms, hey, if you're, if you're really upset and you have all that energy, just tell your kids, let's roar like lions, roar, right? <laughs> so as long as we're letting the kids know, it's not about them. It's about, you know, you're not a bad kid, but I'm upset about the situation. Um, so there's kind of the normal, every mom, dad's going to raise their voice at their kids right? How are we doing that? That we have to get their attention, but are we threatening them, belittling them when we're doing that? If we're doing that, then we're going into destructive category. Destructive is when we are using the anger to protect ourselves and control situation and it hurts the relationship. So we're screaming in rage, we're yelling, um, belittling, uh, threatening, slamming doors, throwing things, physical abuse, Passive aggressive behavior, we might be silent treatment, walk away, get in the car. I mean, I remember getting in the car and driving off, my husband not knowing, didn't have the cell phone at that point, not knowing where I was, that kind of behavior. Um, snarky comments, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's all, all that behavior is stuff that we're trying to, to prove a point and protect our own insecurities. Um, and that's what's hurting the relationship. Mm -hmm. So we have to go back and make that right if we do do those behaviors. So that's kind of the, I don't know if that helps some of the question you were answering, you're asking me, but. Yeah. So something I'm curious about, because in your story, you've talked about how you, you changed through that and how you're helping other mothers change through that. How did your kids change and how did their response to you change as they saw this transform in you? Yeah. So I love that question because when I think of, especially Enya, the one who got the worst of it for me, when I look at our relationship now, it it's just so amazing and incredible to see how the Lord restores, right? And she knows, she knows what happened to her. She knows the story you've heard. Um, she knows more. Right. Cause I can go into more detail with her. Right. Cause we've got more time me and her do. Mm -hmm. And, and what I've said to her and I want moms, dads listening out there who maybe you're again, thinking it's too late. Um, it's never too late. We have to have these conversations with our kids, especially if they're adults, we need to talk to them about this because they're on their own path and they're growing and they're learning through their journeys and things are going to come up for them. Just like I experienced with my parents. And so I've had this conversation, told her what happened how I've tried to grow through it. She knows I'm not perfect. And I said, and as you grow, questions may come up for you as you continue along your journey. And if anything ever comes up for you, any memories, any question, anything at all that you want to talk to me about, ask me about, that you feel maybe I need to ask you for forgiveness for, anything like that, bring it to me. I want to walk through that with you. I don't want you to feel alone in that. Um, I want to take responsibility for anything in that way. And not that I'm saying anything, I, you know, I didn't tell her any problems that you have is all my fault. No, right. No. Yeah. you're angry, it's not my fault, right? You still have to take responsibility. But as you're processing through things, stuff might come up and I want you to know I'm here to talk to you about it. Um, and then the behavior of my kids in general, I, kids are kids and I can't really say that their behaviors changed as much as how I changed in my reaction to them. So their reactions, I guess in that way, their reactions got less, right? Mm. Instead of it escalating, 
they're, you know, they escalate to their normal developmental point, but it's not me adding fuel to the fire. When Enya was upset, I'd chase her, scream at her, yell at her, threaten her, slam the door type of thing, and she'd get more upset. By the time her her youngest sister, my 12-year-old now, by the time she was at that age, I let her run to her room and slam her door and scream and cry. And once she was calm, I'd go and talk to her. Mm. It was a totally different piece to that, right? It was okay, see you're upset and it's okay that you're upset. And when you're calm, I want to talk to you instead of me chasing after her in anger and making it worse. Right. So the behavior is my kids aren't these angel kids. They don't have an angel mom, but I don't add fuel to the fire, um, making it worse in those situations. That being said, I have teenagers right now and I'm still trying to figure this out, right? So I am absolutely not perfect. And I tell moms that um, when they come to work with me, I'm like, you are still going to get angry in this program and beyond. But what you're going to learn is how to release the guilt and shame, how to process, recover, how to make that less and less, but you're still going to make mistakes. And especially with each new phase, there's always things to grow in. And I tell moms that too. Hey, you know, I'll have a client be like, oh man, I totally blew it today. And I'm like, that's so awesome. What'd you learn from it? Mm. And they're like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like we have to experience these things in order to grow. And our kids have to experience it in order for them to grow. Mm. Because if they never experience any of this in our house, if things are just, everything seems great. Um, I've had some clients who's grew up in houses like that and they come to me and they're like, my parents are never angry and I don't know why I'm angry. And it's like, well, you didn't learn how to process it. Mm. You didn't know that they did get angry. Right. And so our kids are going to leave our house someday and they're going to get angry and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to blow it. And they need to see that there's grace and you can work through that. And here's the tools to do that in a healthier way. So you're modeling that to them. Yeah, that's great. We've said before, it's doing your children a disservice when you, um, when you don't teach them by example, how to apologize and ask for forgiveness. You pretend to be so perfect that you never need to go back to your children and set the example of what it looks like to, to humbly uh, admit you're, you were wrong. (laughs) Um, I, I love that you were talking about, uh, the repair that's gone on between you and your parents throughout this time and how, and how it's not too late as long as you're still breathing and they're still breathing, it's not too late to, to go and, um, and create a stronger relationship. And what I also love about your story is that we all have, we all have things from our childhood, um, unhealthy patterns or healthy patterns that we learned or how our parents sin affected us. And that goes from generation to generation. But when we like humble ourselves and work on some of these specific things, like, like you said, you grew up in a household where it was kind of, um, it was very chaotic and there was a lot of yelling and slamming doors and things like that. But now because of the Lord working in your life, uh, you've been able to like dig into that a little bit 
And then, and well, no, not a little bit, a lot. And then that's created healthy patterns for your kids. And then I'm just like picturing your grandkids, like this gift that you've given to your kids and your grandkids and their kids to, to work on these issues. So it's not just like, oh, I spent years yelling at my kids. Yeah. But you have generations coming after you. You can still set an example for them. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. I appreciate too, just that like to hit on what you do, you were saying there, yes, you can acknowledge like the environment you were raised in. You can acknowledge the failures of your own parents without just making this into something that is infinite regression. You know, well, it's their fault because it's their parents' fault and it's their fault. And it's like, so you have someone to blame, but no solution really in that situation. Right. But, but for you, it's like, okay, yeah, I can see I was sinned against. I sinned against people in my family, but yet Christ is there. Uh, and I have freedom and repentance and I can be transformed. I can be changed into his image over time. And just having that, that hope, um, it brings so much hope. And I think that's yeah. really what all the burnout, everybody else is looking for is the promise of hope that there really is the possibility of change. And when they blow it and, and it's been years or whatever, they still have forgiveness and they still have the opportunity to repent and have freedom because of Jesus. So, um, yeah, just want to second that. Natalie, can you tell our listeners where they can get more information about you and uh, maybe connect with you if they are needing some help and need uh, a life coach named Natalie to help guide them through this process? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So, um, I'm over at NatalieHickson.com, and if you go to NatalieHickson.com/slash/allofLife, there's a free download that your listeners can get, and it's called the Trigger Tracker. And in a real quick nutshell, that is taking you through some processing of a trigger. Maybe it's um, a single trigger, maybe it's a bedtime routine or getting the kids out of the house. Um, but it takes you through some questions to help you start processing to bring more awareness to those moments and help you try to start making the shift of, hey, I want to change my behavior in this moment. So I need to to stop and, and let the Lord search my heart. And I need to search my heart and see, you know, what can I change here? And what, what do I need to recognize? And how do I want to change this going forward? So that's over there as well. Awesome. That sounds like we need that too. We should do a little uh, tracking those triggers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us on the All of Life show today. Um, We encourage everybody watching, listening, go check that out, go use that link uh, and, and really just open up this opportunity for the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to you the things in your heart and your life that that God wants to do a work in, that he wants to change. Uh, So thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, see you later.